0: In preparation for our message, I'm going to be reading Ephesians 3:14 through 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow, what a joy to be together. Guys, you did great. Thank you so much. I was really blessed by that time. You know, here at the Edmond Congregation, we love and value our college students. Uh, We've had campus ministries going on here at Edmond since the... um, 60s maybe even earlier than that one of the earliest campus ministers John Moreland he used to be called the grandfather of campus ministers was our campus minister way back in the 60s or 70s and we've had a continual line of full-time ministers since then and several are still a party here Kirk Willis was the campus minister when I was in in college here and attended here at Edmond and I was blessed to do it for years and, and Brent Nichols and now Evan's been our campus ministry for so many years and we sure appreciate him I think one of the reasons why our church family loves our college students and campus ministry so much is because we recognize what God is doing in bringing some of the, the brightest and best from all over our state, uh, nation, and even the world, and bring them right into our our backyard. And and we have an opportunity to, to be a place where God can use us to be a blessing in their lives as they're determining direction and learning and growing and discovering uh what, who they are and who God made them to be, and what they can do, and, and maybe even instill some, some uh, a view of of church and family and service in such a way as when they leave and go out into this world, they they leave with an experience that helps them. So I, I just. I, I think we're very blessed to have college students, and to our college students, just know, you're, you're a blessing to us. We miss it when you're gone, and you hear it when you come, every year when you come back that we are so glad to have you back. You bring energy to us. Sorry, Evan is not able to be with us today, but Evan is an outstanding campus minister. The love he pours into the lives of our students, the perspective he helps them them gain, the way he stays uh, current and is consistent in his presence what what a blessing and I'm right guys Evan is an outstanding man of God and and part of the things that make him that way is his wonderful wife Rachel well we do want to be a place where God can work to develop our young people from our babies to our college students to you and I because in each of our eyes we are God's children and he is working to help us be who he made us to be the concept for today's message is God's workshop. Do you have a space where you create, where you like to work? I mean, where you go when it's not just a job you have to do, but it's something that you enjoy doing, something that you like to make and create in that space. You know, we're all created beings, and it's my personal opinion that an observation is since we are created, we like to create we like to, to, to do research, to discover, to color our lives and world in ways that make it better. If, so I don't know what you enjoy doing. Maybe in that space you like to create greeting cards. I know several who do that, and they bless my lives. Maybe you like to work on genealogy or, or put puzzles together or sew or... Do research, or do models, or repair, or exercise, write, all the kinds of things that you can possibly do. My family would hear the word workshop, and it means something totally different. They they would know immediately what it means to me. Many of you know about a year ago, uh, my father passed away, and I I was blessed by the family to inherit his tools. My dad was quite the woodworker and artist. I don't ever intend to be anything like what he did. He carved, he painted, he repaired, he did it all. But he did have lays, and that's where my interest lies. So I've been able to set up a workshop at my place with his equipment. And I have to tell you, I'm loving doing working with wood. It's just something that I am thoroughly enjoying. My dad taught me a little bit in his later years about it. And he taught me to love woods. Different kinds of woods, especially just woods that you find lying around in this world. He taught me a new word, too, called spalting. You ever heard of the word spalting? It is when a fungus gets into a wood. It can be a live tree, but oftentimes it's after the tree has died. It's a fungus that gets in, and as it eats, it leaves a coloring, a discoloring inside of the tree. And it, it, so it changes the looks on the inside of the wood. It's part of the decomposition process that happens. Uh, and what I've learned to love about working with woods is the flaws, the spalting, the imperfections, the knots, where the, 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 the tree trunks divide and, and split. And as you discover in wood, what you do is in, in those spots, in the rotten places, in the deteriorating spaces where the knots are, you find some of your prettiest wood. So here's the project from this last week. This is what I've been working on. I, I had an old log. It's actually, you know, blackjack oak log that I'd put in, a, in a, my mowing shed a couple of years ago to dry it out for my dad to work on. I split it last week, and then I made these little bowls from it. And the beauty of the bowls to me is not that it's perfect wood, beautiful oak that's been dried in a kiln, that has an even and, and, and straight grain. It's the spalting. It's the rotten spots it's the imperfections that make these beautiful in my eyes. So here's the point. The point is not, Kent likes to do wordworking. The point is not whether you think that's attractive or unattractive. The point is, oftentimes we find ourselves in God's workshop and he takes the spalting of this world, the knots, the discolorations, the, the, the divides in our pathways and he brings them and puts them together in a way that brings beauty. We used to try and teach this with our kids, to our kids with a little song that many of you might have heard. The title of the song is, is He's Still Working On Me by, by Joel Hemphill. The Hemphill sang the song. Maybe you heard it at some, some point. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, Jupiter and Mars, How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. In the mirror of his word, reflections that I see make me wonder why he never gave up on me. But he loves me as I am, and he helps me when I pray. Remember, he's the potter, and I'm the clay. That's the point. So, with these thoughts in mind, let's turn to Ephesians. Our text is going to be Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19. But let's set the stage by taking a brief glimpse at a small part of what Paul has been setting up in Ephesians so far. So, in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 2, Paul reminds us that we're dead, that that the world has been working on us, and the result is we are flawed, we are imperfect, we have been disobedient. And so he writes this, "'As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, "'in which you used to live "'when you followed the ways of this world, "'the Spirit who is now at work in, in those who are disobedient.'" And so we were disobedient. We were literally stained by this world, but something changed. Verse, Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. "'But because of his great love for us, "'God, who is rich in mercy,' made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. We were sinners, dead and rotting. And what did God do? He loved us. He showed mercy on us. And he made a pathway for salvation. Then in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do we're his handiwork his workmanship his masterpiece he's been working on us he created us anew he created us and now after the staining after the transgression he has now recreated us and not just in a random way he had a purpose in mind and he prepared something for us he created us to do good, and to be good in this world. So Paul then uses himself as an example of this truth. Ephesians 3, verses 7 through 8. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Paul said, here I was, a person who was so entrenched in the ways of this world, thinking like the world thought about the Messiah, that I was stained by that, and yet God's gift of grace entered my life, and he took that grace and had the power to recreate me into a purpose that was good, even though I was less than the least of these. And what beautiful purpose he created in me was to preach to the Gentiles, and what I get to preach about is this, the boundless riches of Christ in our lives. So now, let's go to our text and discover this concept of being in God's workshop. And so as we enter into God's workshop, the first thing I'd point out that Paul kind of, I think, points out in the text, if you looked at it from this angle, is the, the thought of prayer. Prayer. Ephesians 3, verses 14 and 15. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. So Paul enters God's workshop and kneels. And the concept of kneeling is that of humility, but also of adoration, of recognizing who God is. So how do you handle the highs, the good times of life? How do you handle the lows, the... The, the times of suffering and loss. The answer should be with humility and with adoration of God and, and who He is. Paul met all of circumstances with humility. He trusted in God. He bent his knees. In other words, he yielded his heart to God. The second thing I would notice from this passage about God's work, if I had looked at it from the concept of God's workshop, is that a power. Ephesians 3, 16 and 17. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. That word strengthen is the opposite of a word you saw in verse 13, and that was discouraged. So this concept of strengthening is the opposite of discouragement in our lives. And the source of that strength is God's glorious riches and his wonderful power, his spirit working in us. And where does God work with us? Where does God give us this strength? It's not just something that's on the outside that, that everybody can see. It is something that takes place in the inner being, in our heart. Because the outside might be wasting away, but the heart is what's being renewed. Paul made this very clear in 2 Corinthians 4 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul is praying that believers would have this renewal on the inside, their inner being would be strengthened. It's not just what is seen by others. It is what is at the heart of who we are, at our core. And it is His power. And so back to verses 16 and 17. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. And that is the idea of Christ is settled down. You know, I hear of come and go receptions, and uh, I've held a few of them, and I like people to come, and I like for them to go. This is not the concept here. The concept is Christ comes, and he makes his dwelling place, his home. He comes, and he stays. He finds a home in our hearts through faith. We get the power to work in this world through Christ living in us. And then we have the same power that raised him from the dead, the same power that energized Paul in his ministry, the same power that helps us defeat Satan in battle. And we gain that through faith and through prayer. When you pray, when you kneel before God, you have faith, you experience God's Renewal, how he reinvigorates us, how he brings power into our lives. And because of that power, it changes our perspective on everything. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. <clears throat> and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, and that being rooted, you see what it means there. Let me say it another way, which is an accurate translation as well. Having been rooted. You're being rooted. You have been. It's something that's happened. You have been rooted and established in love. In other words, God works on us through, based upon, from the source of, for the reason of, love. His motive for working in our lives is love. The goal of him working in our lives is love. That's the reason, that's the motive, that's the goal. And that's very different from the world. And it's pretty hard to get our heads around. And so he continues. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I hope you can grasp his love, he prays. And the the grasping idea is something that you can get a hold of and hold on to. (laughs) Paul, you just ask us to do something that's impossible, right? He knows it. He, he, He knows that to grasp his love is more than your hands can hold. I think that's why he said, together with all the Lord's holy people. If you want to really grasp God's love, it's going to take all of us working together to see the scope of it. I mean, it's, it's massive. It is something larger than I can hold on to. Christ's love is total. It's complete. It's eternal. It's all-encompassing. That's why it's hard to grasp. But together with all of us, we can get a better grasp on God's love because His love is big enough to love the Gentiles and the Jews, It's big enough to love men and women, the rich and the poor. It reaches low enough to reach us in our depths of sin, and it reaches high enough to connect us to a holy God. How big is God's love? You know, if you ask a child, how much do you love me? They're likely to stretch out his arms, and you've heard the illustration before. Jesus, how much do you love us? This much. This much. So together we have a better perspective, grasp of God's love. But he doesn't want us to just grasp it. He wants us to know it. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Once again, he's not trying to contradict himself. It's just a literary method. He's stressing that God, Christ's love is unfathomable. And, and we cannot just... Rationally explain Christ's love. I mean, you try and explain this to somebody that doesn't know it, and it's it's tough. Quite frankly, about the only way to to know it is to experience it. The knowledge requires a continual growing in that experience to know, because there is a big difference between knowing about a thing our person and knowing that person and in that knowledge we understand how he fills us we have the perspective of being filled that love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God filled with all the fullness of God in other words that means there is nothing lacking in our relationship with the Father. Nothing lacking at all. Fullness, complete. He pours His love and power into us. He makes us complete for this life and He gets us ready for the one to come. And that's the ultimate goal for believers, to be Christ-like people, filled so totally with Christ that He is seen in us. That's what happens in God's workshop. so in your workshop in your, where you like to create any unfinished products, projects anything you haven't finished yet I mean the infamous unfinished symphony driving to Dallas and on the west side down there that unfinished mansion house unfinished projects in your house unfinished books we don't always finish what we start. It's true. Probably all guilty of it. But don't transfer that concept to God because it's not true with Him. What God starts, God finishes. Philippians 1, 1.6 1, 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Basically, what Paul was saying is, I'm not the person I used to be, but that's not all. I'm also not the person I'm going to be. And quite frankly, that's a wonderful thought. I use it with my wife all the time. Hey, I'm not the guy I used to be, (laughs) and then hope's still there because I'm not the person I'm going to be. I just hope that's a better person. I'd, I'd laughed and teased about it, but you can be confident in that. What God starts in us, He can finish. Our mistake is how we tend to judge others by how far they have to go rather than how far they've come. But God has started something in us, and He can carry it on to completion. And when we find ourselves exposed to this world, He takes that exposure that sin those branches in the pathway where we made the wrong choices the knots of our life and he puts them all together and he creates something more beautiful will you allow God to take the sin and struggles of your life life, and to recreate you in his image he is the master craftsman And I can't wait to see what happens to me and to you in God's workshop. Just a moment, we're going to offer an invitation. If you've never given your life to Christ, now is the time. We would love to celebrate with you as you put on Christ. You confess him as Lord of your life. In other words, I'm not in control anymore. I recognize the path I've been going is the wrong path. I'm going to do an about-face, and I'm going to walk to Christ. I'm going to repent be baptized calling on his name. For those of us who are believers, have put on Christ, maybe we need to be restored to come back. So before we sing our invitation song, in just a moment we're gonna stand. I wanna take you back to the little song I started with. He's still working on me. Don't know if you know it or not. And and one more verse from it. There really ought to be a sign upon my heart Don't judge me yet. There's an unfinished part. I'll be better just according to his plan, fashioned by the master's loving hand. Let's stand and sing.